And that is what Joel is all about. The book of Joel is all about. It is about the day of the Lord and all the events that are connected with this seven-day, seven-year period known as the day of the Lord, Daniel's 70th week, the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation period. As we go through our study of Christ of the book this morning, I want us to look at Joel and, and also uh, Obadiah for, for just a bit. In Joel, Christ is the one who roars. He is the one who roars. Kind of reminds you of the fact that he is from the tribe of Judah, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, so it's appropriate that he would be the one roaring. And what a day that is going to be. Look with me at Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3, verse 16. Joel chapter 3, verse 16. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength, the children of Israel. So, as you're locating Christ of the book, he is most definitely the one who roars. It's also listed here in Joel as the hope of his people. And if we keep reading, we also discover that he is the one who dwells in Zion. All of this is bore out in this book of Joel. The one who roars. Turn with me to Revelation 19, just to kind of give you an idea of what that's going to be like. And as we go through this study of the day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, the day of the wrath of God when it's poured out on ungodly men during this tribulation period, uh, we rejoice that we have not been appointed to wrath. We rejoice that we're not going to be part of that, but we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air prior to this day of the Lord beginning. But Revelation 19, verse 11 says, And I saw this, this is when he roars out of heaven. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Remember, Christ told the disciples, he didn't come to bring peace. He came to do what? Bring a sword. He's talking about the tribulation period. He's talking about the day of the wrath of God, the, the ter great and terrible day of God's wrath and vengeance. We know him as our Savior. We know him as the Prince of Peace. We, we know him. As, as the one who is, is going to, to usher in the kingdom and, and the glories and all that's going to be realized during that period of time. But before they get to the kingdom, there is a tribulation period that Israel is going to have to endure. And the good news for you, church, body of Christ, according to God's word in Romans 8, we've already been made more than overcomers. We've already been made more than conquerors through him who loves us? And who is that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're already victorious in Christ. So I want to make sure you understand that the period of time that we're going to be looking at today, you're not going to be part of that. And before you go, man, am I glad. Understand there are a lot of lost family members, a lot of lost friends who need the Lord Jesus, that if we don't take the gospel of the grace of God to them, they are going to die. They're going to go through this period of time. Then they're going to die, end up in, in hell. We don't want that. We want them to understand that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God's grace is extended. That salvation is extended to all who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for them, was buried, and rose again. But the good news is, church, you haven't been appointed to this day of wrath. He is the one who roars. Oh, I'm not finished. But, and uh, The judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he would smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. And, his, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is all going to be part of him roaring out of heaven. That's what Joel is talking about during that time. He is the one when he establishes his kingdom on earth. And he rules in Jerusalem. And the 12 apostles see that promise to them fulfilled when Christ told them that you're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes. I believe that is literally a literal. And here in Joel chapter 3, when it says that he is going to dwell in Zion, that we take that literally, that he is going to dwell in Zion. Zion. He is going to be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is going to sit on his throne during that time. And literally, and it's going to be a time of peace. It's going to be a time of safety. It's going to be a time of pure justice when he is ruling and reigning for that thousand year millennial kingdom. It's actually the time that Micah talks about. Remember, we went through Micah, Christ of the book, and in Micah, Christ is the gatherer. He is the one that brings his nation together. Christ of the book in Micah is gatherer. And in Micah 4.2, we find that many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's during this millennial kingdom. But look at verse 3. And he shall judge among many people, 
and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Anybody tell me where that verse is? Yeah, I have no idea why, but yeah, that's where it is. The audacity of man to think he's going to be the one to make that uh, come to fruition. That's during the millennial kingdom. When Christ rules and reigns in perfect peace. And that's when he tells them to beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Your instruments of war, you're not going to need them anymore. Now again, remember, we the church, the body of Christ, we're seated in, our, in the heavenlies. That is our position. Our calling is heavenly. It's Israel's calling that's earthly. And they find the fulfillment of all those Old Testament blessings that take place during that time. But what's interesting about that verse and talking about the day of the Lord and getting a, a firm understanding of what's going on here, this verse in Micah 4.2 that takes place during the millennium when Christ is ruling and reigning is the exact opposite of Joel chapter 3 verse 10 when it's talking about the tribulation when God's wrath is being poured out look at Joel chapter 3 verse 10 beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all you Gentiles, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. It has to do with Christ coming back, but it has to do with God's wrath. It has to do with all the nations of the world. Zechariah 14, 1 and 2, coming against Israel. When all nations of the world come against Israel, we're going to look at that in, in just a second. But when Christ is ruling and reigning on earth during the millennial kingdom, you're going to see them beating their swords in, into uh, plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Useful. But it's during the tribulation that it's going to be a totally different scenario. And folks, you don't want to be part of that. You want to experience what I believe we are so absolutely close to. And that is the rapture of the church where God calls us to meet him in the air. The book of Joel, it emphasizes that great and terrible day of the wrath of the Lord. Now remember, Joel was a contemporary of Jeremiah. Christ of the book of Jeremiah is, is uh, the Lord our righteousness. That's who Christ is, the Lord our righteousness. He's a contemporary of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk, Christ was the everlasting one or the eternal one. He is a uh, contemporary of Zephaniah. And Zephaniah was all about Christ being king in the mist. And these prophets warned, these prophets, strong warnings and pronouncements against uh, Judah. Israel had already gone into captivity. Judah was at the very end of, of them being a nation before they were going to be taken into Babylonian captivity. And all of these prophets were warning Judah 
except Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah finally came to the point in Jeremiah 11, 11 telling him because of Judah's gross sin, it was so egregious that God told Jeremiah to tell them, don't even pray. Don't even pray. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to hear. Jeremiah 29.4, Jeremiah tells him, the Lord's going to take you into captivity. There's nothing you can do because your sin is so egregious. Your sin is so bad. God's going to judge you. As Jeremiah was preaching during that time. Habakkuk's preaching during that time. Zephaniah is preaching that time. Jeremiah also, even after he makes those uh, prophecies, says, but God's going to bring you back. God's going to pour out his blessings upon you also. You can expect that. There is going to be, to be good. And Joel is prophesying during that same time, but Joel is preaching. Joel is talking about a future event while they're talking about the captivity that Judah is about to go into and the fact that God is going to use Babylon to be his sword, to bring them into captivity. He's, that's going to be his, uh, his rod, so to speak, to, to, against Judah. Joel is talking about a future day where God is going to his wrath. His, the day of the Lord is going to, to take place, and it's going to be something else. It is going to be... Uh, it's going to be a time, well, the Scripture calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. It's going to be the time when, when you have the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, uh, the one world government, a one world currency, all the kind of things they're talking about today. That's, Joel is prophesying a time where all that is going to be part of the scenario. It's kind of depressing unless you know the Lord Jesus and you know you're going to spend eternity in heaven with him and you know that the tomb is empty and you can trust him through it all but it was pretty, can you imagine how depressing it was for Judah to have these prophets coming and declaring this truth and you want to know what their attitude is after they go into captivity look at Psalm 137 I've always found this interesting I mean all the Bible's interesting but I, I just I think Psalm 137 has to do with those that have gone into exile from Judah. See, not all the Psalms were written by David. But Psalm 137, look at verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They were captives in Babylon. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem... Let my right hand forget her cunning. 
If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. And happy shall he be that takes and dashes thy little ones against the stones. See, that's prophesying what the Medes and Persians are going to do to Babylon. And the one that really talked about that was Obadiah. In Obadiah, we find that Christ is is the, the judge of all nations. Obadiah is a short book, but he talks about the day of the Lord also, just as Joel does, and we're going to look more that in just a second, but look at Obadiah real quick. Look at Obadiah. Obadiah only has one chapter. Obadiah 1, verse 15. But he's also talking about the day of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the Gentiles. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thy own hand. Now, you go to Ezekiel 35, it talks about the judgment that's going to come on Edom. And in, in Obadiah, it makes it clear that Christ is the judge of all nations, that he is going to rule and reign, but it selects, it picks out Edom specifically to bring about God's judgment in the day of the Lord. Who is Edom? Who is Edom? Well, Edom are those that came from Esau. And they make up most of the Arab nations. Remember, Abraham had Isaac and Ishmael. And God's word is very clear that Ishmael was going to be a wild man and he's going to cause trouble to the nation of Israel from generation to generation to generation. And he has. By virtue of the relationship between Esau and Ishmael's daughter that Edom married and the line of Arabs and the line of Islam and all the things that came out of that relationship, Edom representing those Islamic nations that God is saying, judgment is going to come to you. And remember when Israel was going through the wilderness and Edom prevented them from going through their land, and Edom attacked them, and part of the uh, Amalekites were, were from Edom. And, and to know how dastardly Edom was, remember uh, Haman in the book of Esther? Well, he hadn't got there yet, but we're going to get back. Haman was an Edomite. Uh, uh, the king of Israel, Herod, Herod, wasn't, he, he wasn't Jewish, he was Idumean, he was an Edomite. It, all that nation, Esau, his lineage, his heritage, they have been nothing but a thorn in the side of Israel, wanting to destroy it. And in the book of, of, of Obadiah, they, God tells, speaks through Obadiah and says, in the day of the Lord, Edom, you're going to get your just review, uh, your just due. 
In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 35, it really talks about the judgment that's going to come against Edom in the day of the Lord. It is going to be some kind of time during that period of time. Joel was prophesying during, that period, during this period of time when all these prophets are warning. But Joel was describing a future day. Yes, Babylon was going to be used at that time to bring about judgment. But as you search the scriptures, you study the scriptures, you understand that God is also going to use Babylon again in a future date. And to get a clear picture, you, you have to take all of the prophets, you, especially Daniel and Ezekiel, and these prophets uh, are, are going to be functioning, they're going to be prophesying, they're going to be uh, prophesying after Judah's taken into captivity. They're prophesying in the exile. They're prophesying concerning what's coming in, in the exile. And it's Daniel that gives us real insight into the beast, the Antichrist, the anti-Messiah, that, that talks about this willful king and all that he's going to, to bring about. It's in Daniel that we find out about Daniel's 70th week and all that God is going to do during that, that period of time. So you look at Isaiah, you look at Jeremiah, you look at Joel, you look at Daniel, you bring all of the truths concerning these prophets and you get the real insight into the day of the Lord. Now when you, you, you read through these, sometimes you might not, you, you, you want the timeline to just go just one right after another because that's kind of the way we think. But it doesn't always work that way in Scripture. Matter of fact, let me give you a good idea, a, a good example. Look at Isaiah. And this is important that we grasp this as we go through, as we go through this. Because God is talking about his immediate judgment and it is getting ready to happen. And Judah, you are going to get judged. You are going to reap the, the, what you have sown. You, you're going into captivity. There's going to be judgment. And the next thing it's talking about, a far future judgment that's coming concerning the last days. And so it, when you read the scriptures, you really need to be students. You really need to study the word of God. But look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Who's that talking about? The Lord Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, you, so far you've got about 2,000 years in between, or more, in between just with that, that verse. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government has not been upon his shoulder yet, but it's going to be. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice, with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That verse there talks about from the birth of Christ till the time he is ruling and reigning in Jerusalem during the millennial kingdom. There's a whole lot of time between those that one prophecy and the next. So when you study the scriptures, you have to one pray, Lord, give me insight. Lord, help me to see this clearly as you study the scripture. 
So you've got immediate judgment. You have immediate prophecy and fulfillment. Then you have future prophecy and fulfillment. And understand those gaps. Well, getting back to Joel, it is all about the day of the Lord. And during that time Obadiah is talking about, Obadiah is, is fixed on uh, Edom and the judgment that's going to come on Edom. They're not going to get away with how they've treated Israel. The Arab nations aren't going to get away with how they have treated God's people. God is going to be faithful to them. But look at Joel chapter 1. Talking about the day of the Lord. See, and it's in Daniel 12.1. Daniel 12.1 that we know, and, and Daniel is after Joel. Daniel is written, he's in captivity. He, he's in Babylon. And Daniel writes about a tribulation that's going to take place such as has never happened before. So we know what Joel is talking about is not happening right now because Daniel talks about, hey, that, that day of the Lord, that 70th week, that's still coming. At that time shall Michael stand up, that great prince which stands for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. You know who else says this? The Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 24, 21, Matthew 24, 20, yeah. And then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, never, ever shall be. So, so when Joel is talking about the day of the Lord and what's coming, he, he's talking about this tribulation period. It hadn't happened in Daniel, but it's coming. It hadn't happened in the, the day in the, when the Lord walked on earth, but it's coming. And when it comes is immediately after this present dispensation of grace is over. Look at Joel chapter 1, verse 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. There is going to be the day of the Lord. Look at Zechariah. We haven't been to Zechariah yet. Look at Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14.1. Talking about destruction. Talking about what's going to happen during that day of the Lord. The things that Israel, Jerusalem are going to suffer and see as God uses this time is an opportunity to woo his people back to himself. That's what Hosea is all about. God wooing Israel back to himself that during this time that God shows himself strong on their behalf. It's during this time that the two witnesses are proclaiming the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and whoever believes that he's the Messiah will be saved. It's the time you have 144,000 witnesses that are traveling and going and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of the grace of God, which we proclaim today, but the gospel of the kingdom. Hold on. He that endures to the end shall be saved. He that endures until the end shall be saved. It's talking about the, the end of the tribulation. 
But look at Zechariah 14.1. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of the battle. That's exactly what Joel is talking about when he says he is going to roar out of Zion. That he is going to come to the help of his people. Look at verse 9 of Zechariah 14. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. Look at verse 11. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. That's when they beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. All of those prophetic promises concerning the kingdom are going to be realized when the true Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for the sins of the world, is sitting in Jerusalem judging with a rod of iron. For that happens. There is the day of the Lord. And that's what Joel talks about. Destruction from the Almighty. Look at chapter 2 of Joel. Verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, for it is nigh at hand. It's a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains of great people and strong, there hath not ever been the like, neither shall be any more after it, even the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burns. And the land, is of the, the land is as the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. That's describing a future event in the day of the Lord. Verse 10 of Joel chapter 2. And the earth shall quake before them, and the heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong and executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Verse 12, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn you even to me with all of your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repents him of the evil that he was going to bring about. So we know that's future because Jeremiah has already said, don't worry about praying. That, that's not going to help. I'm not going to hear. You're going into captivity. But here, this is during the tribulation. The message that's going to be declared during the tribulation period is that the Lord is saying, turn to me with all your heart. It's going to be a time such as the world has never experienced before. But just to show you there's a big gap in, this is what it's prophesying. But look at Joel chapter 2, look at verse 28. I mean, we know when Joel was prophesying, 
We know that was a long time before the event that Joel prophesies in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Look at Joel 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Where do we read about the fulfillment of that prophecy? You go about 400 and something years, almost 500 years later, look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is all about this portion of the fulfillment of the day of the Lord. What was going on? Want to know what was going on? It was the promise of the Father that He was going to send the Spirit. We talk about it as the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, when they were gathered there and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and empowered them, they started speaking in tongues, exactly what Isaiah 28 said they were going to do. And everybody heard them speak in their own language. And some went, wow, what does this mean? And others said, they're drunk. They're drunk, mocked. But look at Acts 2.14. But Peter standing up with 11. Now remember, Joel is prophesying this 400 and something years prior to Acts chapter 2, this for being fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So if you read Joel chapter 2 and you expect these prophecies to be fulfilled as you're reading them at this period of time, it doesn't work that way. But see, God in His infinite wisdom and grace and mercy wants us to be students, wants us to understand he sees when this is fulfilled concerning Israel and the hope of Israel, the promise of Israel. By the way, this has nothing to do with the church, the body of Christ. This, it, this all has to do with Israel and the fulfillment of prophecies, the nation of Israel. But verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This, this Joel was being fulfilled right here. This was the beginning of the day of the Lord. These events started at this time. I remember I was in a, in a church. I was actually on staff. It was one of the reasons it finally caused me to leave. But I was on staff. And the preacher was preaching, and he, and he said, you know, he was going through the book of Acts, and I would just cringe every, every Sunday. I would cringe at, at some of the things that he would say. But one of the things that I finally just went, that's it, I just can't, I can't do this, is 
he said, I, I read this and I just, for the life of me, I don't know why um, Peter overreacted. I don't know why Peter overreacted. I don't know why Peter made such a glaring mistake. Well, Peter and the other apostles had had their eyes open. Luke 24 says he had opened up their, their, their understanding and they understood all Scripture. Peter and the twelve, they understood exactly what they were doing on this day. This was all part of God's promise concerning the day of the Lord and the call of, of Israel back to him. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Joel chapter 2 is finding its fulfillment in Acts chapter 2. Then chapter 3 of Joel, it talks about another future event that's coming. It's coming. Look at 3.9. Joel 3.9. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Again, talking about the day of the Lord. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. The exact opposite of Micah. Assemble yourselves and come, all you heathen, you Gentiles, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the Gentiles be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I set to judge all the nations round about. I mean, so much of Joel, you can go to Revelation. And you can, you can study the book of Revelation and see where so much of this is going to find its fulfillment. Especially Revelation 24, when it talks about Christ ruling and judging all nations. That's what Obadiah is talking about. He is judge of all nations. And the, one of the first nations that are going to be judged is Edom, the one from Esau that gave Israel so much trouble because of the false religion of Islam. But look at verse 13. Put you in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision, and the sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Oh, you're almost reading the book of Revelation here. And the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the, earth and the strength of the children of Israel. And so shall you know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her any more. Strangers pass through Jerusalem? Are there those that claim the city? Are there those that are trying to make Jerusalem an international city right now where it doesn't belong to anyone? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. Yeah. The direct opposite of what God says is going to happen. 
And it shall come pass in that day that the mountain shall drop down new wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters and a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. And Egypt shall be desolation and Edom shall be desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed. For the Lord dwells in Zion. That's all about the restoration of Israel at the end of the tribulation. But that tribulation is a time such as the world has never experienced. I remember when I was a youth pastor. I was teaching the book of Revelation. And I had a bunch of kids, boys, you know it'd be boys, in, in particular. We had a bunch of boys and girls. But uh, I was describing the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, and how absolutely horrifying, how terrible it was going to be. And you always have these in every group, except this group. I don't have them in this group. But these boys went, Cool! cool. We want to go through the tribulation. I mean, this is the same group that would get on and all the things that they, they do and kill people and shoot things and blow things up and they, they just destroy. They, they just thought that was cool. They want to, it's going to be awesome. And I'd, I tried to tell them it's not going to be awesome. It's going to be beyond horrifying. It's going to be beyond terrifying. And they don't want to be part of it. And leading up to that tribulation period that we do not want our loved ones going through. We do not want our children, our grandchildren. We do not want our friends going through that and that's why it's imperative knowing what awaits knowing what's coming that we share the gospel of the grace of God with them now they know that it's today is the day of salvation and when God extends his salvation look at 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 We're talking about the day of the Lord, right? But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brother, you're not in darkness. And Paul's talking to the church in Thessalonica. This is church, the body of Christ. These are the Gentiles that he's talking to. This is part of the special revelation that God has given to the, the chief of sinners, the apostle Paul. But brethren, you're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're the children of light and the children of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch 
and be sober. And that's the thing that I get as I'm studying this, all of this out, is the importance of us watching, of us being alert, of us alarming folks as to what's going on in our world today and just how close we are. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Oh, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord is not going to affect us, church. We're going to be raptured out. But God's word is very clear. Until that, until the tribulation starts, there's still going to be perilous times. There's still going to be a falling away. There are going to be perilous times leading up to the tribulation. It's not just going to be all fun and games and we're going to get to come to church and, and we're not going to have any persecution. Nothing's going to happen to us. There are going to be perilous times leading up to the day of the Lord when that's the great and terrible day of the Lord. We're there now, folks. There's going to be a falling away. There's going to be a, a prevailing apostasy that's taking place in the church. That's happening today. We are there right now. You say, Pastor Rick, that is pretty depressing. Well, let me give you some positive news. Let me give you some positive news. Your Redeemer liveth. That's pretty positive. Revelation 22, 20. Let me give you some more positive news. Revelation 20, verse 20. He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now that's talking about His second coming. And we're looking forward to the rapture, which is a different, different occurrence altogether. But I still read that and my heart just rejoices. Rejoices that He's coming. I confess that I struggle with a strong desire, and I, and I shared this on Wednesday night. I'm going to share it again. I struggle with a strong desire to preach a feel-good, fluffy message. One that just makes you feel good about yourself, and when you leave, you just want to have a big group hug. Those are easy sermons to preach. Talking about the day of the Lord and what's coming, that's what to expect. I, I've not even scratched the surface. It's just the tip of the iceberg of what God's Word says concerning is coming. But do I scratch your ears or do I speak truth? Got a decision to make. Do I scratch your ears or do I preach the truth?
Do I want a happy but clueless church? Or do I want to see warriors for Christ? Amen. Do I want to see a church that's confident in themselves? Or confidence in Christ and His deliverance? Do I want a church that's hoping for the good old times to return, the good old days to return, or a church that's hoping for that blessed hope, that are looking for that blessed hope? Because I think that's what we need to be looking for. I remember a movie years ago, uh, 1972 actually, that's a long time ago. The movie was called A Thief in the Night. How many of you remember that movie? You guys are old. I remember Thief in the Night. By the way, by the way, real quick, do you know whose birthday is in August 2022? You may say, wait a minute, August hasn't happened yet. Whose birthday is in August in 2022? George Jetson. So just to kind of tell you how long ago, George Jetson's birthday, he was born in August 2022. So that's a whole, if you play, go home and play Trivial Pursuit tonight, you'll remember that. But this movie, Thief in the Night, came out in 1972. And there was a song that was associated with that movie, and it was called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. How many of you have heard that song? You're old too. I wish we'd all been ready. And that, that movie was shown in churches and so many people. It's all about the rapture, a thief in the night, and, and the rapture of the church and all that was going to happen. And, and it, I was, Faye and I were married, and, and I was in Bible college, and, and we would, we'd watch that. I'm not sure how many times we saw this movie. But there was a scene in this movie that moved me and influenced me and continues to influence me to this day. There was a scene in that movie, A Thief in the Night, where this liberal preacher, he scoffed at the truth. People shared with him about the rapture and the coming of the Lord, and he just scoffed, and he ridiculed them, and he laughed at them. And he was really good at preaching fluffy sermons. And the rapture occurred. And I remember that preacher, the, the scene, he was an actor, and at the, at, down at the front of the church, wailing, weeping, almost hysterically, when he came to the realization, not only had he been left behind, but, be, but by how many of his people were also left behind. By the way, they had a full church the next Sunday. It's too late. Wish we'd all been ready. But I saw that and I went, Lord, I don't want to be that kind of preacher. I don't want to be the kind of preacher that does not speak the truth and make sure that I want to be the preacher that understands the horrific conditions, not only of the tribulation period, but of hell. Maybe I sound like a broken record, but I know what Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 tells us. 
that we are to walk circumspectly, not as fools. We're to redeem the time. These evil days, redeeming the time. We need to be about our Father's business. We need to recognize what's going on and stand and preach the truth of God's Word. And so as, as we go through the, the entire Scripture, we go through the, all the books with Joel talking about the day of the Lord, you need to understand what all that involves. And when He roars out of Jerusalem, when He ro- roars out of Zion, it's going to be as King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's going to happen. Are you ready? An analogy real quick, real quick. Just imagine a bridge is out. And your friend pulls up and says, hey, I'm going on a trip, come go with me. And you jump in the car and you head out. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, this is the road where the bridge is out. You're not going to get very far going on this road. You need to change direction. But when you tell them they need to change direction, all they do is speed up. They keep going faster. And then you get a little more desperate in your, hey, you need to start slowing down. Do you know that the bridge is out? Do you know what's coming up? And before long, as you get closer and closer and you start seeing all the signs that says the bridge is out, the bridge is out, you start screaming and you start trying to get his attention and you keep start saying, hey, let me out, I'll walk from here. You, you just you get desperate. You realize that the bridge is out, but they're blind to all those signs. They're blind to what is up ahead. Well, we're not in the same car. Well, we're definitely on the same planet. And this planet is hurling through time at breakneck speed. And folks, we are approaching a real danger zone. It's coming up quick. I don't want a snoozing. I want us to be alert. I don't want to give a false scenario of peace and safety. I want to scream a warning of pending disaster to those we love and care for. Folks, it's not just believers who don't want to hear that the bridge is out. I mean, it's not just unbelievers. There are a lot of Christians that will say, oh, please, enough already with your doom and gloom. And we kind of expect it from unbelievers, right? Their level of hatred, hostility, their tolerance toward us. And I'm going to tell you something. We're on the verge of this not being allowed in the public dialogue much longer. You think getting this out of the school system caused problems? When this is no longer respected, 
when this is no longer treated with any respect, when we're getting there, where it's basically just going to be uh, denied, where we already have that, but it's going to be, you, you stand and say, thus saith the Lord, it's going to be pretty hostile. But there are a lot of Christians that don't want to hear it. They're so comfortable with the world. They're so satisfied with the way that the world is going that they hate to hear the truth. And folks, it is our absolute obligation to make sure that they hear the truth of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 tells us there's coming a time and I think we're there where they're not going to endure sound doctrine. We're there. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lush, lusts shall they heap to themselves teach, teachers having itching ears. I love you too much not to warn you. I love you too much not to tell you what God's Word says. Amen.